the weather. That's death approaching. They're tearing through everyone's home. We can last the month. Hello and welcome to Movie Smash! Welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that looks at comic book movies that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person that enjoys talking about hidden gems or likes to tear old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, why don't we get started today? Uh, my name is, I'm your host, one of your hosts, Chris Roberts. Uh, I'm the founder of Off Panel Creations place where we fuse nerd culture with furniture uh with me today i've got jeremy parmentier hi i'm jeremy parmentier i'm the one of the hosts of the retrovaniacs podcast but i also love comics and movies so i'm gonna do this as well and virgil i'm virgil amaya owner of gotham night comics located in Livonia, michigan at 37661 we are the nerd haven and i am your comic historian and movie aficionado so our movie today is 2007's 30 days and night uh, starring uh, Josh Hardin, uh, Melissa George, and it's directed by David Slade, who was known before that for Hard Candy and a ton of music videos. Um, but before we jump into the movie, why don't we just share a little bit on sort of your previous history with either, did you see it in the theaters, or did you know anything about this at all? I definitely saw this in the theater. Now, at the time, I guarantee you, if I knew it was a comic book movie, it was only through friends of mine that were comic guys. Again, I used to work at a comic shop um, five or so years before this uh, movie came out, but I still hang out with, and at that time, definitely hung out with uh, all those guys. So I'm sure that they were like, oh, you know, this was a comic, right? And I was like, I don't care. This looks like a rad horror movie. So I definitely saw this in the theaters. Um, At that point, I didn't even know it was a comic. I now do know that it's a comic, but I still have not really read it. So uh, I still went into this one kind of as as the idea of, uh, I enjoy horror movies. So (laughs) let's see if this one holds up that way. Hopefully you guys are more familiar with the comic material. I did see the movie. I did read the book. I've, I've kind of been very familiar with it. It's got incredible source material. The book is actually, it kind of dives a little deeper in the characters. And it, it actually made um, one of the co-authors' careers. Um, and it sort of got the other one off the ground. He's made a couple of interesting pieces after that. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool book. It's a pretty cool comic book. Um, especially kind of IDW. So for me... Uh, to be very frank, I did not know this was a comic book movie. Um, not at all. Um, in fact, I didn't know that until we started talking about it. Um, actually, looking back around that time period, this is going to sound weird, but I thought this was a zombie movie. Um, so when it came out, I was not into my zombie phase of horror movies. I, I was tired of it. 28 days, I was finished. I'd seen enough. They were all the same at that point to me. So I honestly thought this was a, a zombie movie until we watched this movie. <laughs> um, so I was I was... Pleasantly surprised, let's put it that way. Oh, so this um, is the first time you've seen this movie? Yes, this is the first time I've seen it. Um, I have, yeah, up until I bought the DVD for this movie, the, for this podcast, I had not seen this thing. And it was a good $5 spend. Because I paid for it was $5? Yes, $5, $5 for my extended cut with the commentary, like always. So, <laughs> Fergal, because Jeremy and I did not know this was a comic porn, can you tell us a little bit of sort of back history about this comic, anything you know about it? 
Yeah, so it's written by Steve Niles and uh, I want to make sure I get the name, Ben Templesmith. So the the big important thing is that Steve Niles was a bit of an unknown author. Um, He had written, he had tried to get published a couple times on comic books, couldn't make it happen. And actually, um, he started, he wrote this script, he couldn't get it shopped. Um, and even though he couldn't, couldn't make a lot of comic books, he decided he eventually got this thing made as a comic and it became a cult hit. Um, and immediately, like it was made in 2002. And so between 02 and 07, that's a short period of time, usually to pick up on a book. So it, it just, it jumped up and it, it got, uh, it got picked up. And interesting enough, Steve's made some pretty interesting, um, follow-up stories. Uh, Ben Templesmith has worked on Legion, some other shows outside of that American Horror Story. Um, and this movie has actually spawned a ton of sequels um they're you know kind of direct to videos but there's like three sequels that follow behind it but yeah interesting story very different take on a vampire story the only thing comparable would be like near dark um that would be or maybe even like lost boys maybe in some regards but i'd say closer to no near dark very anti very anti really dark kind of vampire story very much off the beaten path yeah i think it really was a non-vampire vampire story but yeah I, I haven't read the book yet i'm actually might go pick it up um well, why don't we jump in the movie so plot wise to sum it up really quickly this takes place in i think it's alaska's most northern city of Barrow, which is a real place by the way um and once a year experiences about 30 days of night um and then during that time period a gang of vampires decides to show up tries to wipe out the town in that 30-day period before the sun comes back up and that's really about what happens on sort of the higher level of that movie. But there's a lot that happens in that movie, of course. I, I want to spend a little time on the characters, actually, because I think they were done a disservice. There were a lot of good characters in there, were a lot of interesting stories, but I don't think it really came to the surface too much. Well, the biggest the biggest thing for me is that um, you hit you gave a, a nice overview synopsis, but there's so much more. You know, the comic, yeah. that's where they, they, they were very faithful to the source material. But because the um, because the way the movie is made, I think they the director of that movie decided to focus on the bloodiness of it, which is awesome, but kind of missed out on you know the um, you know why the vampires used a certain language, why they all followed the one guy, what what where what the other guy's story is, and 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 sort of the protagonist and antagonist. There's an interesting tension, and I think they kind of threw things off for a beaten path, even though it was a good path with with the stranger like Ben Foster he could have been used so much better because he was made just for the movie the end of that stranger was actually one interesting for you to pick up too uh like i said i watch this on a regular way you know regular watching of it then i watch it with a commentary which had the producer on it, the two main actors they were talking about him about ben and how he he was really sort of the reinfeld character of for the vampires right the human yes. trying to become a vampire who is going to be beaten down by them but during the opening shots, you see him walking across that that snow wasteland, if you would. Um, strange little fact: the guy shoves snow in his pants just to feel that cold, to look that bad. I, I, mean, I don't think he probably needed that help. They were as long as it was covered in actual snow, he probably didn't need that extra thing. But that's fine because he looked like a guy who'd been stuck out uh, on the snow for a while. Now, I didn't know because again, I haven't read this comic. So, does the comic? Like as it was originally done, I'm assuming it came out as like a series as opposed to a like an endless book, right? So did the did this story mainly contain what was in the original book? Because I know there's been books after this and sequels and such. There are lots of sequels. I mean, that's the the book was supposed to, you know, again the book carries a little bit of the backstory and then it pro- progresses directly into Barrow. 
Um, yeah, so it does have a little bit of the backstory because you got to know, you got to like a character and know a character. So you got to understand um, how they arrived at Barrow. And, and so the book gives you a little bit more backstory. So if you think of like um, Interview with the Vampire and they try to go in that second movie or whatever and they try to talk about, I don't know, whatever movie, they try to talk about the background of vampires, you get a little bit more vampire background because then you start to understand like who that dude is. And why it matters and and why uh why what happens after that and sort of um and then you get a little bit more of an understanding between the two people who are there kind of the protagonists if you will and um you get kind of a that 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 has an interest and they, they develop that a little bit more in the story but yeah it's pretty faithful more than most so in in the book does it start with because this this movie starts with um, after you see kind of the the flashback of the stranger, the the main character uh, Evan and the the other police officers find this like hole in the snow that's full of burned up and ruined cell phones. So that people, you know, essentially you don't know at the time, but you kind of get a clue like why would they have burned all these cell phones? And it's so that uh, the stranger would have come to town, stole these cell phones, in other ways to communicate, and blocked off this town even more from the rest of the world than it normally is. I mean, Barrow really is. If you look on a map, I mean, when we're saying it's a northern. Uh, the most northern city in, in Alaska. It's the most northern city in the United States, and it's one of the most northern cities in the entire world. It's right up by the Arctic Circle. It's way, way away from everything else. The only way to get there uh, effectively is a, is a plane. Um, otherwise, yes, there are some kind of roads and such, but not really. And during the winters uh, in, in Alaska, a lot of this stuff is totally blocked off. And the only way to get there is flights that are only good when the weather's good. So the 30 days of night that Chris talked about, I don't think if you didn't do the research ahead of time and you didn't understand what that is, basically they're so far north that for, and actually it's longer than 30 days in real life, but for a mm -hmm. chunk of the of the time, the sun does not come up fully on that side of the world. They're on the opposite side of the world completely from the sun entirely for like a month and a half. And so it's, it's yes, there are varying degrees of night, but it's still, it never is fully sunny. And so since these are vampires and they're going to be able to do whatever they want to do to this town for this 30 days, they don't have to worry about the sun because while these these vampires aren't standard movie vampires, they're not like the the they don't turn into a bat or all this other stuff. They don't have all the goofy vampire stuff. I, I'm not a big vampire fan in general, but I think these vampires are actually really cool. Um, they're more feral. They're more realistic, I guess, for for vampires. Um, but they do have the effect where they the sun will hurt them, and you you know it, it's not a, it's not ruining the movie. That's why they are doing this during this block of thirty days of night. So like. Without the the cell phones and other stuff, I mean, how does that does the the idea that someone came earlier before the rest of the the clan or brood or whatever they're called show up? Does that happen in the comics, or do they just kind of show no, up once night? That's ends? where that's where the that's where the differences in the book come into play. So there is so in the book or in the comic, they they more focus on the fact that vampires have been around for centuries. Um, and that there are clans of them, and that leader is challenging, well, he's trying to find a new feeding ground for the clan. Um, and so the stranger, there really isn't so much, the cell phones, that is definitely something you see in the book, um, because obviously they're trying to eliminate that, they go through some of the pages of that, it's much more, art. that's the other part about it, is that this is probably one of more IDW's, one of more beautiful books, I mean, it's much more painted characters, so you do see a little bit, you do see that, but as I said, the stranger was drawn in to the movie. Um, in the comic, um, you, you got them kind of looking, and this guy trying to scout out a new place, and Technically, he went against the head of vampire in attacking this community. The, the vampire was like, you know, the head vampire in, in the book was like, you know, look for it. Uh, that's cool. Take what you need. But do not, you know, do not expose us because you're an idiot. 
And unfortunately, this guy, you know, gets hungry or whatever, and and um, and, and inadvertently doing so comes across. And as I said, that's where the the sheriff, and that's where Eben and Stella, you know, um, when when you know, without giving away in the movie, it it makes for very long enemies. That's why you know the thing in the end of the movie where you sort of see Stella's eyes, um, you know, it sort of led to the sequels. But you there's there's some enemies, there's some story that goes on. That was how that comic was to be written. That's why there were a couple follow-up books from that because while it was initially three issues it followed afterwards it's so funny you talk about that when i on my second rewatch of the movie that i didn't pay attention to the first time was how they're the character the stranger you see him walking this wasteland in the distance you see like a, a ship mm-hmm. right and i'm assuming that's where the vampires came from fertile is that in the book um yes it is um, but they can also walk. So in this particular case, they did come by ship. But again, um, the idea is that they were not supposed to really attack the town. Hmm. But they did, they did anyway. And he, he he had planned anyway. That's why he took a group of people with him. But what was also missed was how old that particular vampire was. Because what what, what we don't we don't understand is like how old he actually is. Because they are um, they're more they're again sex right. And that guy is a very old. I mean, we're talking multiple hundreds of years old. Jeremy, you kind of touched on it, the, how the vampire is more like a feral type of be- being versus like your your shiny vampire, if you would. Yeah, yeah. They're not Twilight vampires. <laughs> yeah, so why don't we talk a little about sort of the differences of these vampires? Because like I said, you, I thought this movie, from all the trailers, was a zombie movie until I actually saw this thing. And so what sort of difference do you see between this and like your traditional kind of vampire? What made them stand out to you? Well, for me, normally a, a vampire movie is one vampire maybe, and maybe there's some others that will, uh, people that will kind of uh, follow that vampire, but really most vampire movies are about one vampire. Um, That's kind of the the focus of the movie. This instead, yes, there's still the vampire that's leading them all, but really they still work like if they were a tribe of people, right? So there's tons of vampires. The, The other thing is that, like, again, they don't turn into bats. They don't, uh, they, they do speak a, another language in the movie. They do translate some of it when it makes sense to do so. And they do speak some English when it's uh, like to be threatening. They can, gr- you know, use some guttural English words here and there. But generally, uh, I liked it more. It, it made them seem more like they were, I mean, not quite aliens, cause it, but, but definitely like a force that did seem ancient or from, you know, somewhere in Russia or Eastern Europe or some of these areas where, where you wouldn't quite know the dialect. It sounds familiar, but not quite sure what it's supposed to be. And, uh, the, the other part that I liked with these vampires is they swarm. They swarm like zombies do. So it's not, yes, there is some one-on-one fights, but most of the time it's like once one of them hits, they make a call and they all kind of show up out of the woodwork and go nuts and start killing everybody. There's a scene, a couple scenes, there are these aerial views of when the vampires finally like descend on the town. And it is, it's just, it's you could have replaced them with zombies there and it would have worked, but I like this more because there's, they're, they don't have um, the mindless piece of the zombie, right? Zombies just kind of swarm towards whatever the next thing to eat is, and then they walk around aimlessly till they don't know what to do, or they lay down the ground till people show up. Like this, these are smart, thinking, swarming vampires. Uh, it, it's, again, I'm not a big vampire fan because I think a lot of the time the, the, the like romantic vampire, I'm not a fan of. But yeah. these are much, much more animalistic and, and, in my opinion, realistic vampires, right? The other thing is that the uh, normally in vampire movies, if you're bit by a vampire, you become one. And that does kind of happen, but it's almost like, or they just eat them. Like there's no, there, there's a window where if you leave them alive at all, they could turn. Otherwise, you just eat them. And that's the end. Like most vampire movies, they don't feed on people to death. They normally just use them to to feed and then they become their slaves or whatever. In these cases, they're they're just flat out treating the humans like livestock. 
big plot hole in this particular movie. They 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 ate all their they're, they're looking to eat their livestock so quickly. That's the drawback, and that's the one thing that's a little bit different. The other in the comic, they extend it out a little bit, so they don't all try to. You know, it's like uh, I was I was reading someone because I always when I get, when I want to do these, I like to just prep up and read um, some of the audience reviews because or not audience but cr- critiquers, if you will, of the movie. And one of the things that was interesting about the critique of this movie was that because uh, the material is a little bit different. Again, the story. In the comic, it's a three-issue arc, but they do they do make that issue work over that thirty days because it's near the end of that thirty days that that Eben does what he does and, and goes the route he goes. But in this one, it seems like they were they were hungry. <laughs> it was a buffet, and they were on it, man. Yes, you got to kick these folks out if they went to a Sweden house or a Golden Corral. They might have used it all up too quick. Yeah, whenever I watch movies with like a supernatural feel to it, like a zombie movie, vampire movie, what have you, I try to figure out the rules on it. And it was it was an interesting take on the va- the sort of the rules of the vampire. Um, the thing I struggled with was I did like the feralness of it too. In fact, I'm I'm playing Jurassic World Evolution on the side. It's like a simulator for Jurassic World. It's important. There's a whole section with Velociraptors. They reminded me <laughs> of like a swarm of Velociraptors at times. If that makes sense. Yeah, they're, um, they're fast and they come in groups and it's terrifying. Exactly, and they kind of like a bird call at times too. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I think that was really. I think the best thing about the way they looked, and and this is the part that the the secondary language um, was nice. Again, a bit of a touch from the comic book. It was nice. I like the fact that they're you know again the, they they made their faces look slightly less than human. Um, but I, I think again, from a CG perspective, what was really impressive was less the faces and more just how they, how they, they really put a lot of really extra effort on blood. It went after folks. Like it's a bloody movie. I mean, this is not a movie for the faint of heart. You're watching blade for something completely different. You're watching this and you're like, wow, they are not sparing the horse on this one. Fun fact. The, the blood in this was either flavored strawberry or, or spearmint. Oh, spearmint blood. That's a nice touch. Yeah. yeah, no, this is this is treated more like a horror movie. I mean, Blade, when you watch Blade or, or something that, that's a more action-oriented vampire movie a lot of the time, th- those end up being over-the-top, uh, you know, over-the-top comic booky kind of stuff, which is not a, a negative. It is a comic book. But this, I mean, honestly, if, if I wouldn't have known it was a comic book a little bit and now doing it for this podcast about comic books that are movies, this still just seems to me like a straight-up horror movie, uh, which is not a bad thing because there's plenty of straight-up horror comic books. But the the, the violence level and the, the level to detail on the effects is very much a, a high-quality horror movie level of effects. Well, you mentioned the effects. The, uh, this movie is, what, 16 years old at this point, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, do the effects hold up for you? I'm going to say yes. I mean, some of the, again, the vampire's faces maybe a little bit, you know, you, you can kind of tell there's a little bit of, you know, again, that's except for Marlo. Marlo. So the main vampire, I think they put the effort on the actor who played the main vampire. Yes. And by the way, his name is Marlo. So that's what, that's what makes him so unique. His name, they actually named him. So that's why it's kind of like when you guys are, you know, we're talking about vampires and we're talking about the movie, you don't get to really, the, the character dive gets, and that's, I think, the one always going to be a difference until they get great comic adaptions. You don't get some of the backstory, but Marlo is the main vampire. He looks like they put the prosthetics on him. The rest of them, the face is a little off, but blood and guts, oh yeah, this will hold up today. Yeah, they, they are practical effects for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, of like early-ish, not early, but there's CG in this, but it's not. It, it's still a lot of practical blood effects and stuff. Yeah, and you mentioned the name of the vampires. It's kind of a weird fact, but they actually named every single vampire in that movie. It's just not brought up in the movie. They did that. They did that for um, payment wise. Just a little fact for you. 
Um, in fact, oh really? Yeah, in fact, I didn't Mar- know that. That must fact, be a commentary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This all been commentary. In fact, Marlo is the um, he's the only actor of all the vampires. Everyone else are stunt doubles that got the job as a stunt double. That explains a lot. Yeah. Now this movie is just under two hours. It's uh, I think an hour and fifty three. Um, pacing that's that's long for a horror movie. So pacing wise, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it, there are points in the movie. I've watched it twice just to prep up for this. There, the first time I watched it through, you know, you, you, you get to enjoy it. You get to, I mean, I think the beginning gets really good. Um, the middle is a little bit slow. It gets slower and then it speeds back up. And I think that's how it kind of looks in the movie. I think that's the part. Cause again, it starts off like a little bit and then it's like, bam. And then it gets a little slow and then they're like, okay. And then the end when they force the confrontations, that's where it was really cool. I think for a horror movie, it's paced really well. Um, it's, I don't think it's as good as the thing, but it, as far as a similar movie kind of based in, in the Arctic where it, it does kind of have these slow periods, but they're slow periods. They're menacing periods. And, and there's a lot of background in this, in this, as, um, as Fergal said that the comic books really fill in. I, I think they tried really hard to, to add, uh, and again, I don't know what the backstory and such is in the comics, but they tried to add that those things in here. Like, I know that it's supposed to be 30 days because the title of the movie is 30 Days of Night, and thankfully it doesn't do this thing where, like, every few minutes at the bottom of the screen, it's like, day one, day two, day three, because that would be kind of boring as well. I didn't realize, watching this, other than the fact that it's titled, it's 30 days. It feels like it's more like 48 hours of night, even though it's clearly supposed to be a month. I think that's, the pacing problem is not really... Um, I don't think it's paced badly for enjoying a movie. I never got bored with this uh, on the second watch. I, I fully enjoyed watching it to try to see if there's other like connecting things I missed before. Uh, I think it's more it's just it, it would have been paced better as a six or seven episode miniseries because then you could actually dig more into the background, much like the the more recent Last of Us HBO show they did. That, like, that was paced based on a video game, so it has another source that was coming to something else. But if that would have been tried to done as a two hour movie, there would be a whole lot of connections that weren't made. And that's, that was, you know, you mentioned the characters and how there's a lot of really good characters, but other than a few, few people, you really don't get to know much about them. I think if you had that extra time, a lot of the things in this movie that are supposed to have kind of a, a real emotional hit that didn't hit for me. I mean, they, they hit and you were like, Oh, that's sad. But that, you know, that's not what they're aiming for. They weren't aiming for, Oh, that's sad. You were supposed to feel like, Oh man, I can't believe that happened to this guy. Or I, I can't believe this guy, you know, make this sacrifice for the group or whatever the thing that's going to happen to these different characters. Aside from one notable one, everybody else, I kind of felt like it was just like, yeah, sure. That's one more person gone. Like, I, I don't know. It wasn't uh, all the time you'd need to, to get connection to these characters, I think was lacking, but it's not the fault of the movie. It's hard to cram that in to an hour and a half or even an hour or even two hours. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause it reminded me of like, I felt like it was an iceberg. You know what I mean? Like we saw the surface level of all the things going on, but there was, there was obviously a lot more to it. They just didn't have the time to talk about it or show it. If you know what I mean? The and like, there's a scene where this young woman is walking out. This young girl, like she's probably like ten or twelve, covered in blood, right? And there was a whole scene cut from the movie of where her family hid in the walls of their house for a week, like in between the walls, right? Like, imagine the terror of that of that story, and then why that it's emotional. If you know the scene I'm talking about, where she's wandering down the street aimlessly. Yeah. Um. And in, in, in the movie, she just sort of shows up. Right. So there's all this backstory and all this lore that having not read the comic, I wish I had time to find it. But I understand two hours is a long time for a movie. 
Um, and I, I, I think a mini series probably would have worked best. Overall, guys, how did you feel about this movie? I liked it. I thought, again, you know, thinking about everything that you guys have talked about, like the, some of the missing scenes, like any movie, when you get some of those extra scenes, you can kind of fill in. Like, it would have been really terrifying to hear her family or just kind of seeing her family watching their daughter get, you know, because they, they held that girl out as bait to try and pull pull the rest of the vampires out or pull the rest of the the, the town folk out. I thought that would have been terrifying. I thought the, the fight at the end, I thought, first off, having Josh Hartnett, you know, because when they got this movie made, um, remember every studio denied this movie before you know because this was originally when when um when Stephen now wrote this he wrote this as a script so what's a fun fact about this which i'm not sure was in your commentary was when he started this process this wasn't a comic he wrote this movie and shopped it everywhere for two years and no one would buy it so he basically went back to the drawing board rewrote it as a comic book idw uh, he sent it to the list of all the rejected scripts um, to uh, you know for this comic and he sent it to IDW um, uh, and they published it so I mean and it just it jumped off from there right? it's just it's it's a way of you know kind of an interesting backstory um, how you run through so again good movie I think it, you know are there parts where it could be better yeah but I think it's a great movie yeah it, funny you mentioned that I did hear about that about the uh, it was originally a screenplay that became a comic that then became a screenplay. Um, and in fact, Josh only took the role because um, the writer had filmed what he thought the vampire should look like and showed him that test footage. He flew out to his house in like Montana or something like that and showed it, you no, know, went to his house to show him the footage. And once he saw it, he's like, I'm in. I don't care what the script says, I'm in. I think this movie on its own, without yeah. the source material, is solid. This is a, a great horror movie. I enjoyed watching it multiple times for this podcast. I watched it when it was new, and I had very positive memories of the movie. I couldn't remember a ton about, like, the intricacies of the plot, but I do generally, like, it's in this town in Alaska, these vampires come, it's the police officer, and, like, everyone in the town kind of, back, you know, gathering together to try to survive, and uh, and I kind of even totally forgot the actual ending of the movie, which is probably more of a... Uh, of a statement on how inebriated I was when I watched it the first time in the movie theater. But when I watched it again here, like I fully enjoyed this experience. It's not, it doesn't feel too long for a horror movie. Uh, and that's saying a lot. Cause a lot of horror movies, if you don't have a lot of story to it, it does get very boring. You need a movie that has, you know, like the original Halloween movies that have these long periods where it just builds up tension. And this has that when they're trying to constantly hide. Um, I think they actually could have used some more of that, but I think that would have drawn us out a little longer, but I think this is on its own a great movie, and I am interested in, in reading the comics. Now, I, I would also say, I don't think it needs, let's say there were no, I, I know there were, uh, Fergal already said there were sequels, and then there's more comics based on this, or whatever. As a standalone, if this, while it was totally set for plays really like, I'd like to know more, it didn't need more. It's a good self-contained box of a story where you leave the movie and you're like, that was fun. I enjoyed that, and I, you know, I, I actually did feel like the ending hits really well. I think that's one thing this movie does well. But I am interested in knowing where these vampires came from or a little more about their, their universe. But I'm kind of glad that as a standalone movie, you didn't need it. You just knew these things showed up. They clearly have been around for a while. There's a line in the movie, I think, where uh, uh, Marlowe says something like, it took centuries to, to get humans to believe we were made believe. Let's, you know, let's raise the town to the ground to make sure that no one has any proof that we're ever here. Like, I love that. That's a little, I mean, I'm sure that's, that's like, the whole scene. Yeah. That where that's, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's the scene where you get to know the head vampire Vincent. 
that's where that's where you that's where really we start interjecting further backwards and going, yep, they're they're at odds with each other. That's who that guy is, and that's where it hints at the terrifying nature of these vampires. Yeah, it, it's it, it's I don't know. I I didn't need more information. I wanted more, and I'm glad to find out that I can you know pick up these comics and get a little more information or see what happens. I I, I know that the there, there is a prequel series and a sequel series and uh, a, a sequel movie and all this other stuff. Fine, but I, I think I'm going to go right to the comics to see where else this goes because, um, you know, I, I, the while I I did read some slight reviews on the prequel, sequel, and uh, and the sequel movie, they were all much lower budget than this. This actually had a fairly good for a horror movie. This had a great budget, something like thirty five million dollars, and it made seventy five or eighty million dollars in the theaters, which is not bad for a horror movie at all. That's considered a success most places, so I'm not surprised that they did more, but everything after this had a much lower budget, so uh, this was a good standalone thing. I, I'm interested in finding out more, though. No, I, I agree with both you guys. It's I spent $5 on this movie. It was a good $5. Um, it was. I'm not complaining about it whatsoever, so it's... We're going to get the reviews later on, of course, but I think yeah, it's solid. It's a solid, solid movie. So, I guess that question, it brings up the question, would you recommend this to somebody? I would. I think it's uh, again. I, you know, if you if you're gonna put for there, you know, there's so many vampire movies, and a lot of them got twisted because of that Twilight movie. So if you're gonna put this in in what I like to call the horrifying vampire movie camp, this squarely belongs in it. Um, this and that's why I, it's, it's it's almost impossible to mention this without another comic book near dark, um, which is probably you know these guys belong right next to each other in terms of amazing vampire movies that you would clearly want to see. Yeah, near dark's a good pick. That that this is definitely one I'd recommend because again, it's not it's not a a classic you know Hammer vampire movie, but it's also not sparkly Twilight vampires. This has a good menacing horror movie vampire feel. Now, I would say I only recommend it to people who want to watch horror movies. If you were like, I really want to watch a comic book movie that was, you know, a comic book that was turned into a movie, I don't know if I'd say, oh, 30 Days of Night's the one to watch. However, if you like horror movies at all and comics, this is a guaranteed recommend. I can't agree more. So I think we have this, what, thumbs up, thumbs down uh, review system. Where would you, are we in the quarters? Where would you guys put this one? I'd solidly put this one at a, um, well, I mean, I'm going to go thumbs up. I just, I think... Um, you know, we're we're, we're talking there again. I'm going to go back to my original point. We're talking about so few vampire movies. If if there's, you know, this is a movie that you could redo if you added a couple extra scenes would be absolutely phenomenal. I think it holds up well. Um, and I think if you wanted to be scared and you wanted to just you wanted to be surprised and be like, ah, it's another, uh, and then be like, holy crap, um, you're going to get that in this movie. Yeah, horror movies are my thing, and this this is a good horror movie, and the fact that it's based on a comic is tertiary <laughs> to me enjoying it. I would say that's a definite thumbs up for me. Yeah, I I believe this is a good horror movie in the sense of that it's not all gore. There are a lot of those horror movies that just it's just gore for gore's sake, but it does have a ton of gore. But it's I think it's an appropriate level for what it's doing. Like that blood out on on the on the ice, on the snow, those shots are just spectacular. It's amazing. Um, I would probably give it three quarters of a thumbs up just because horror is not my genre. Um, but it was still a good watch. Like I said, good five bucks. Um, so before we leave today, Jeremy, what are you working on now? 
Uh, thankfully, uh, it's a little slow for everything but the podcast. We're still always Retrovaniacs is always doing two regular episodes and three bonus episodes a month if you join our Patreon. Uh, but aside from that, uh, my band Subtastics, which you can find at subtastics.bandcamp.com, is writing new songs to go back to the studio this fall, early this fall. So I'm doing a lot of songwriting uh, along with this. Nice. And Fergal, what are you up to? So we're just prepping up for, we've got Monroe Pop Fest coming up. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're doing some amazing things. Our movie nights are kicking back out and we're, uh, we're just bringing on great new mix and great new materials. I think the biggest thing we're excited for is just some of the partnerships we've been creating. We've started adding some really, really custom commissioned statues. Um, and we're, we're, we're really proud of that. Some wood pieces some statues and things of that nature. And again, just, just pretty excited about, you know, we've got a new website that we're bringing online. Our subscription service is actually starting up in the next week or two. And we, are literally just got invited into uh, uh, Warhammer 4000. So that's going to be one of our, we're going to be kind of working on some expertise in that area and adding that piece into our store doing those game nights. That's a lot on your plate. Um, I'm, just yes, working, <laughs> I'm just working on a Neil Gaiman, Sandman inspired uh, storage and wall unit. Um, you guys have seen some of the pieces that have gone out for that, some of the, uh, the artwork. Um, I think it's come together nice. I've probably got three more weeks left on that piece. Um, but it should be done pretty soon, hopefully. So if you guys like the pod, like what you've heard, you like the pod, share it, review it. It's the only way this pod gets out there. So like I said, share with your friends. And if you don't like it, then just don't tell us about it. Or tell people you don't like. That's fine. Just share the news somehow. That's true. You can tell people, just don't tell me you don't like it. Just tell them to start, start listening to it. They'll make their own opinion. I agree. But I think we like it because it's amazing. And I think everyone would like it because movies If you join the show, please give us a review and share with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us where we were wrong. Or give us a movie suggestion. Visit us at movie-smash.com.